It's February 17th, 2012, and welcome to DOD This Week, a weekly podcast that brings you news from inside the DOD and from around the world. President Barack Obama released his budget request for fiscal 2013, and with it, the proposed budget for the Department of Defense. Defense Secretary Leon Panetta and Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Martin Dempsey, spoke before the House and Senate Armed Services Committee this week. There, they explained the department's request for funding, as well as the military's future plans. The secretary said the budget allows for an adaptable, agile force. Number one, the military will be smaller and it will be leaner. But it should be agile, it should be flexible, ready to deploy quickly and technologically advanced. He reassured Congress that the new military strategy and 2013 budget request were made with input from military and civilian leaders in the department. None of the decisions reflected in the budget were made easily. This can't just be about cuts. It has to be about investments. What do we protect and prioritize in terms of investments in technology and new capabilities, as well as our capacity to grow, adapt, and mobilize as needed? The secretary reiterated the concern that sequestration, an automatic cut of an additional $500 billion from the defense budget, would devastate the military. As Secretary Panetta and General Dempsey made their case to Congress, each of the military services has explained its own budget requirements and plans. Air Force Major General Edward Bolton said, the Air Force is focusing its investments, choosing for a smaller, high-quality force. Now, here's your Pentagon Channel report. The Air Force will do its part to reduce spending over the next decade while maintaining its ability to respond quickly to threats across the globe. That assessment comes from Air Force officials who presented their budget request for 2013 on Monday at the Pentagon. Major General Edward Bolden outlined the service's budget priorities. Our Air Force approach to the new strategy has required us to balance risks by making difficult choices. We protected readiness, accepted a smaller, high-quality force, and focused our investments on key modernization programs while making more disciplined use of our dollars. Finally, as always, We'll continue to take care of our most important resource, our people. General Bolden said airmen can expect pay raises and increases in housing allowances. Keeping you informed, military news on the Pentagon Channel. The Deputy Assistant Secretary of the Navy for Budget outlined naval priorities, including energy investments and improved facilities for sailors. The Deputy Assistant Secretary of the Navy for Budget briefed the FY 2012 Department of the Navy budget at the Pentagon February 14th. Most important investments are the new ships we're getting, the F-18s we're buying, the extra P-8s. The other ones are the energy investments. Those little investments we're giving you, you need to operate them properly and save dollars for the Navy and continue to operate more efficiently. The proposed budget focuses on improving warfighting capabilities and investing in counterterrorism capabilities while continuing to care for sailors, Marines, civilians, and their families. The sailors benefit through a 1.6% pay raise. They benefit with uh, appropriate adjustments for housing and other allowances. They also benefit for single sailors is there's $70 million a year to refurbish barracks. You can read the story at Navy.mil. Petty Officer Liz Vlahos, Washington. The Army is planning to reduce its overall size, though it also plans to stay ready should new threats emerge. From Soldiers Radio and Television. From Soldiers Radio and Television, this is the Army Now. Army officials presented the fiscal year 2013 budget request at the Pentagon on Monday, February 13th. 
This budget is the first step in the Army's overall restructuring strategy that includes the reduction of eight brigade combat teams. The active Army will be reduced by 57,000 troops. Military planners say the reduction in the troop numbers will occur over time and are not planning on any involuntary separation. What's most important is, is, is not the 490, but it's the ramp down to make sure that we do not uh, put ripples in the force and that we have the ability and that we have reversibility that if something happens between now and the next five or six years as we do this ramp down that we have the capability to reverse that. Early retirement options and natural attrition will be the first methods of troop reduction. Overall, the Army budget request for next year is down by nearly 18 billion dollars from last year. That's the Army Now. For more information on the defense budget, visit defense.gov. For service-specific information, visit army.mil, navy.mil, af.mil, or marines.mil. More and more people today are finding themselves in financial trouble due to debt and poor financial planning. Through the Military Saves Campaign, the Department of Defense is helping military families avoid financial pitfalls. The program encourages saving for the short term as well as making long-term goals. Barbara Thompson, director of the Office of Family Policy for Children and Youth, told the Pentagon Channel about the program in a recent interview. Military Saves is a part of the larger campaign that's sponsored by the Consumer Federation of America, which is making sure that Americans are saving. And so we felt that that was an, also a critical uh, component for our personal financial management uh, initiative to make sure that our families are financially ready, that we spawned off a military saves campaign and we sponsor a military saves week to advocate for service members and their families to start thinking about saving for both the short term and the long term to meet their financial goals. Fred Davis, the head of Navy Installation Command's Personnel Financial Management Office, explained in a Navy all-hands update that military saves isn't limited to February's campaign. It's a program that runs all year. Well, Military Saves is actually a year-long program, but what we like to do is we like to take one week out of the year, in this case, February uh, 19th to 26th. What we want to focus on is getting the active duty service members and their spouses and their family members involved uh, with a financial program. We want them to uh, undertake our goal of setting a goal, making a plan, and saving automatically this year so that they are well fitted for the future for, their, you know, for themselves financially. In order to do that, uh, we employ a variety of resources as well as partnerships on the military installations to uh, conduct financial fairs, classes, uh, and individual counselings if necessary to make people aware of what their financial situation is, how to improve their financial situation, and just you know how to in undertake long-term financial stability. For more information on how you can improve your finances and save for the future, visit militarysaves.org. On Wednesday, Secretary Panetta and other defense leaders joined First Lady Michelle Obama and the Vice President's wife, Dr. Jill Biden, in announcing a new initiative to help military spouses stay employed, even as they're required to relocate. Through the Joining Forces Initiative, the First Lady's program to improve the lives of military families, states will work together to streamline professional licensing processes professional licensing rules, which vary from state to state, are creating a difficult hurdle for spouses to clear. State licenses are required for employees in fields ranging from childcare to accounting to teaching to medical professions. It can take months, in some cases, to get new licenses, even if the person is already licensed in another state. 
the Pentagon, the First Lady said the problem is too large to simply brush off. Learned that more than one of every three military spouses in the labor force have jobs that require some kind of professional license or certification. So this licensing issue affects more than 100,000 individuals. 100,000 individuals. And the vast majority of you are clearly ready to work when you get to your new state. Uh, you've already demonstrated your specialized skills. Uh, you've already gained years of professional experience. Uh, but too often, as Anne said, you're left waiting for paperwork to clear while your skills go unused and, more importantly, your family's bank accounts shrink. On a conference call prior to the announcement, Joining Forces Executive Director, Navy Captain Brad Cooper, said some 35% of military spouses in the workforce work in nearly 50 fields subject to these licensing rules. By way of background in their travels to military bases throughout this nation in the last three years, the First Lady and Dr. Biden have spoken extensively with military spouses. Uh, and as many of you know, Dr. Biden is a Blue Star mother. Her son, Bo, served in Iraq. And together they've heard stories from countless military family members and spouses, and one of the biggest, if not the biggest issue they hear about, deals with the professional licensing requirements that affect military spouse employment. These are more than 100,000 military spouses who serve in one of nearly 50 professions that require a state license or credential. They include teachers, nurses, child care providers, dental hygienists, real estate brokers, speech pathologists, uh, and so many more. Here's why this matters. Military families are asked to move again and again, and they do this as their husband or wife serves this country. Oftentimes that means they're coming into a new state, which sometimes brings different credentialing or licensing standards. On that same call, Marcus Beauregard, chief of the DOD's state liaison office, said there have been some promising responses from many states who are willing to adjust licensure policies to help job seekers. In 2012, we've been very excited uh, to see how willing uh, policymakers are to consider uh, these new concepts and to approach their licensing boards to work out accommodations within their state. Uh, as uh, Brad Cooper said, uh, we have 13 states considering legislation at this time based on these uh, uh, best practices. And we're finding that they're combining them to uh, improve upon the licensure ability of uh, military spouses without impacting the standards that the state has set for their professions to uh, uphold those standards within the profession and also protect the public. For more information about Joining Forces' efforts with state licensing, visit whitehouse.gov slash joining forces, or visit defense.gov. In other news, Secretary Panetta hosted Chinese Vice President Xi Jinping at the Pentagon Tuesday. The two discussed how a reliable military-to-military -military relationship between the U.S. and China fits into the country's overall diplomatic partnership. It was the first time Vice President Xi visited the Pentagon. On Thursday, the Secretary explained to the House Armed Services Committee that there are clear red lines the Iranian government must cross before military action is considered. However, he said, all options are on the table should those lines be crossed. Secretary Panetta said, 
The two top concerns are whether Iran begins to develop a nuclear weapon and whether Iran follows through on its threat to close the Strait of Hormuz, a key shipping lane in the Arabian Gulf. The Secretary also outlined the changing military footprint in Europe. The Army is removing two brigade combat teams based in Germany and moving one to Vicenza, Italy. U.S. Army Europe headquarters is moving from Heidelberg, Germany to Wiesbaden. The Air Force is disbanding the 81st Fighter Squadron and the 603rd Air Control Squadron. The Navy is deploying four additional Arleigh Burke-class guided missile destroyers to Naval Station Rota in Spain. You have been listening to DOD This Week. It's February 17, 2012. For links to these stories and more, visit dodlive.mil.